Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be Well, I'm going to be asking Gail about her experience at the BEA Buzz panel. I want her to let us know what books they're most excited about for this upcoming year that she heard about on the panel. Like I said last week, our backlist books are also back. And there was an interesting article, well, not article, but list of books up on Goodreads about the standout books of the first half of 2016 that we're going to take a look at plus a little bit of what we've been reading. And then I have a few June reads that I'm excited to share. So let's get to it. Nicole, you said the the first half of 2016. Because oh, I'm I think thinking of 2019. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. And what's, what's got you, what's got you focused on the past? I don't know. Well, we were just talking about that old, old episode. So <laughs> true. All right. Well, we are going to be talking about 2019. As much as it would be interesting to go back and see what was hot in 2016, we're going to focus on this year. Right. Yeah. So let's do it. All right. Uh, should we start off with any updates? We we actually ended up recording relatively recently. So I only have one quick change in my what are you reading answer. Okay. Which is that I finished Camille Pagan's Forever is the Worst Long Time. And is she a yay or a nay? That is a yay. I stayed up really late last night finishing that. Like I needed to go to bed. I was supposed to work out really early this morning and it is very rare, very rare that I skip a workout. And I went to bed so late that I woke up at like 530 and I said, there's no way I just didn't get enough sleep because I had to read that book. And I've got to be honest with you. I almost never cry at books like really, really rarely. People will say, oh, I was sobbing at the end of that book. And I'm like, really? Because I I just, I don't know, something about maybe reading feels sort of remote enough for me that it's not, I can kind of distance myself emotionally. Mm -hmm. I was crying last night when I read that book. Wow. And I don't think I've ever heard you say say that in three or four years of recording. I mean, I I wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't sobbing, but I I was tearing up, which for me, like reading, that's big. That's the same as sobbing. And, And (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I was, it was, you know, my own version of sobbing. It was, it was, it grew on me as the book went on. I felt like it got more and more realistic and more and more deep and kind of just more and more like meaningful. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was going to be this sort of light love triangle read and that just, it really has a lot more heft to it than that. So I highly recommend it. Forever is the Worst Long Time by Camille Pagan. I am going to revisit her other books, including the one that I checked out of the library and returned like the next day. So maybe, maybe I would like it now that I sort of know how much I like her, but, but that one is really good. Put that on your summer reading list. Quick recap. Oh, of the book. Mm -hmm. So it is about there. It's, it's told from the perspective of a guy who has his best friend. They've grown up in Michigan. He, he goes to meet his best friend's new girlfriend. They're in their twenties, mid twenties. And he sort of immediately falls in love with her. And of course, you know, nothing's going to happen. She's dating his best friend. They get engaged, they get married. And, 
yet all throughout these years, 10 years plus, he's carried a torch for this girl. Oh, yeah, that's right. And this is the love triangle one. Love triangle, right. And, you know, it's unclear, like, is he just sort of, is she this ideal that no one else will ever meet? And why is he so in love with her? And he's stuck in the rest of his life. He can't can't move forward in his relationships. He's trying to write a book. He can't really do it. And, you know, what's up with this kind of like emotional, like stagnation that he's in. And then things change and there's some issues in the relationship she's having with his best friend. And then there's kind of opportunity and I won't spoil the rest of it because a lot of things happen after that. But, you know, this love triangle gets more complicated and some things, some unexpected things happen to all of them, all three of them. And it's, so it's told from like 2000, 2000, maybe 1999 up through like 2016 or something. So it follows them from their early twenties into their forties. And I almost te- texted you at one point, cause of course there's like a nine 11 mention and cause they're, you know, they're living in New York. So that has to make, has to be there, but it just like, she, she really kind of grasped like how life really is like, this is how people's lives transpire. Things don't happen on schedule or on plan and things are not always great. And it's about like kind of being happy with, well, it's about the character being happy with where he is at different times instead of this constant yearning. Like how does he become content with where he is in various parts of his life? And I just, I just thought it was really good. And it got better as it went along. And I mean, the end was really moving. And so that's all I'll say without giving away too much, but I, I really liked it. I did, had done it on audio and then I just, I had to read, I had to finish it. So I, I did like maybe the last third of it in print, but the audio is good too. Really good. Oh, okay. So you sounds like yeah. you found a new author for yourself. Yeah. I like her a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely take a look at some of her other books. I think I picked up one of them at that used book sale I went to in March and I think it's sitting on my shelf. So when I get home, I'm going to go look and see which one that is. It's not woman last seen in her forties. So it's the other one because she's got like three books out. The covers all kind of look similar of a theme. Right. And I'm going to see right now and see what, what that was. People seem to seem to like Camille Pagan and I, I really see why. I wonder what it was about the other book that made you think that you would not like it. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't. I, that I was no woman. Idea. Okay, so she's woman in last seen in her thirties, right? Woman last seen in her thirties, right? Last and then year. there's that came out in 2018, right? And then there's I'm fine and neither are you, which came out this year. Which I it came out this year, and then there's life and other near death experiences, which is 2015. And then Forever is the Worst Long Time, which is the one I just read, and that's 2017. So I I think I have I'm Fine and Neither Are You, which seems odd because it came out in April, right? It says I purchased it. I wonder if I got this um, like First Reads program or something. Hmm. That's weird. I definitely didn't buy it. Oh, yeah. This is about like two friends who – seem to have very different lives. One is has it all and has this great marriage. And then the other one has this, you know, unemployed husband, but then it's really their lives are not that different and there's secrets between them. Sounds good. I'm definitely going to give her a read for these other books. 
And I'll try to figure out why, what, what was it about <laughs> that other one woman last seen in her thirties that I, that I made such a snap judgment about. I mean, and maybe none of these will be as good as forever is the worst long time. Right. But maybe you just hit upon the best one for you. Yeah. I, I just really liked it. So you finished reading that. What did you start in its place? So I started the new Jean Kwok book, Searching for Sylvie Lee. And I'm, I mean, I've read, I'm doing that on audio and I'm like half an hour in. And I'm still reading The Mother-in-Law. It's humming along. So I'll, I'll report back when I get to more of it. How about you? So right now I'm reading The City of Girls. It's Elizabeth Gilbert's new historical fiction. I'd mentioned it before that I was looking forward to reading it. So now I am. It's set in New York. It's about this young college dropout. She gets kicked out of Vassar, where her family has attended, I guess, for years. They have this funny line where her mother thinks that only Vassar and Smith are basically the the colleges that you go to. It's set in the 1930s and 40s. So she is sent to live with her aunt in New York City, who runs this rundown like theater that's sort of like vaudeville and she gets to meet all of the dancers and it is about the transformation of her life as she gets involved in this exciting New York city life. And I think she will fall in love and, and endure some hardships. The structure of the novel seems is set around. It's like a flashback look. It's so it's while all of the action so far takes place in the past It's the framework is that she is probably about 90 in 2010, looking back at her life because the daughter, I believe, of what may have been her lover has written her and asked her to and said to her, you know, like, what did you mean to my father? And she says that she can't answer that question, who she was in his life, but she can tell the daughter what he meant to her. And so that's how she frames the story. And it's really good so far. Like I'm a hundred pages in, which I guess is about a quarter of the book and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, good. I just read a review of it in the post, Ron Charles, and he said he liked it, but that he felt it was too long. Mm. Like it didn't need to be 400 and some pages. Right. Okay. Well, so far it's not too long, but it's also, I'm early enough in the book where I would not feel that. So I'll report back yeah. and let you know what I thought. Okay. So yeah, I'm pretty much in my time where I'm just reading. I've been reading one book at a time, probably because I've been reading a book a day or every other day. I'm still listening to the same book that I was listening to on audio because they take me a really long time. And I think I need to get the print version of this book because I wonder if it would go a little bit faster than I'm reading Sunburn by or listening to Sunburn by Laura Lippman, but I haven't listened in quite a bit of time. I haven't listened since I think before I went away for vacation. So I've, I've got to get back into that. Oh, you know what I picked up at the bookstore? So I actually had some credit. I had returned something that someone had given me. <laughs> I'll say what it was. My friend gave me a copy of the Mueller report, but of course my husband had already bought it. So we had, we don't need two copies of the Mueller report at right. home. So I was at the bookstore yesterday because my son had a field trip there and I chaperoned with him. And so I splurged a little bit, but I really wanted it. I got the Howard Stern book, which is the excerpts from some of his interviews over the years. I don't know if you have followed this whole sort of like rebirth of Howard Stern Mm -mm. that 
he like looks back on his old interviews and cringes because he's like a much kinder, happier person now oh, than gosh. he was. <laughs> and so, you know, he's he has so these much two other books jack. that came out. Not a shock. He really, really rejects the shock jock history. So he, you know, he wrote that book, Private Parts, and there was another book that, and and he he's like embarrassed by those two books now, and he's, you know, how really terrible he was to Robin. To right, who has stuck with him, right? Like Robin, I don't know. isn't she still with him now? I don't know. But like he used to say, terrible. Like guests were afraid to come on his show because they didn't want him, him to make fun of them, and they didn't want to embarrass themselves. Like Ellen DeGeneres wouldn't come on his show, and Gwyneth Paltrow didn't want to come on his show. And then he really softened, and he became a much kinder person. And so he has put together this anthology of a whole bunch of his interviews over the years. But he's picked. He, you know, he's clearly self-editing. He's picking out the ones that really resonated with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just really wanted to read it. So I bought it. So funny story. I don't listen to – I didn't listen to Howard Stern. Like I've heard things about him because, of course, he's built up this reputation of being that. And basically he helped – I think he helped Sirius FM so much when they first launched because his mm-hmm. show was on – Serious yep. FM, and that was the only way that you could get him. And of course, everyone was super addicted. But anyway, the place where I went to get half physical therapy was in a gym where he worked out. So I would see him. Oh, really? Yeah, I would see Howard Stern working out. That's funny. This new book is called Howard Stern Comes Again. Oh. Of course, had to have like some sort of pun. Hasn't changed title. that much then. Yeah, hasn't changed that much, right? Yeah, and I just I had flipped through it in another library, I mean another bookstore a couple weeks ago and I just like oh, I'd like to read this. So, I have it now. So, I'll I'll let you know how it goes. The other two books he wrote were Miss America. Wait, is that him? Is that his book and uh, Private Parts. So, a name you didn't expect to hear on the Readerly Report. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so that is what we're reading and listening to. All right, let me talk to you a little bit about the the Buzz panel. So what was your favorite book that you heard about on the Buzz panel? Start with that one. On the Buzz panel. Okay. And for people who don't know what the Buzz panel is, so every year editors from a range of publishers submit their picks for what they think is going to be like the buzzy book of the year or the book that they're getting behind or, you know, it's an editor who just feels very, very strongly about a particular book. And then there is a panel that picks six out of all of those submissions. And during this session that takes place on the first day of Book Expo, those editors get to present the books. The authors aren't there. The authors were actually at a separate event that took place on Thursday, which I did not go to. But the editors are there and they get up and they talk at length, probably about 15 to 20 minutes per book about the book, why they picked it, why they think it's different, what it was like to edit it, things like that. You listen to those six books, and then at the end, you get to go pick up all six books. And Nicole, you'll be happy to know that the books are now on the other side of that wall. So there was not the mad dash crush of people, the mad dash. Nicole and I almost got completely stampeded a few years ago, and they've they've they fixed that problem because the room itself gets pretty crowded. And so now what you do is as you're leaving and leaving that and that whole kind of hallway, you pass by all the books and you pick them up. It was a, kind of a range of books this year. They're, the ones that I'm the most excited about, I'll start with the first one. It's called Uncanny Valley by Anna Weiner. And this is a book about the startup culture in Silicon Valley. 
So already that's going to be up my alley. And it's, she says, it's, I'm just quoting some of the notes I took during the session. It, it's like a parody. It's a lot about the surveillance economy, but it's also, you know, this woman who's toggling two worlds. She had lived in New York. She was working for a couple of failed companies, and then she decided to move out to San Francisco and try her fate there and see what she could accomplish. It's apparently funny, but has a darkness to it because it, it talks about these these companies that I'm excited to read that one. That came from Farrar Strauss Giro. I'm not sure I'm not saying that name right. F- FSG. That was the one that stood out to me the most as the one I, I, I was most interested in. But there was a, a close second, which is a book called Such a Fun Age oh, by yeah, I have Kylie Reed. On my oh, good. Okay. to be read. I'm already, they're already starting to roll in for 2020. And yeah, that's on my list. Yeah. That looks really good. Yeah. So that comes out. And so, so Such a Fun Age comes out in January 2020. And Uncanny Valley also comes out in January 2020. So these aren't even like fall books. These are next year. Such a Fun Age is a book that deals with caregivers and families in New York and also issues of race and race relations. So it's kind of about the author is African-American and she said she had spent many years babysitting for families in New York. And she was inspired to delve into the delicate relationships between caretakers and mothers. And I've read a few reviews of it on Goodreads who say that this author really nailed the interactions between the caregivers and the moms and the dialogue and what was going on. And they thought it was really, really well written. So that one just looks pretty exciting to me. So that's probably would be the next one I would read on that list. There's a third one. That's also a kind of dark work workplace book, although it's a little more, I think a little deeper than that. It's called the warehouse. That book is by Rob Hart and it comes out in August from crown this one is a dystopian sci-fi book about a huge company, that huge online company that rules the world. So obviously a very thinly veiled Amazon. It's about this guy who's sort of trying to navigate. I'm not sure if he works for this company or if he is, I don't know, he's somehow part of this. It's somehow he's trying to like get into the secrets behind this company, which it turns out is a very evil organization that is very single-handedly responsible for climate change. I'm probably mischaracterizing this because I've just gotten details here and there from the various sessions. That one I think sounds pretty good. I like the, oh, and it says the theme of this book is that large corporations treat employees like disposable products. So I think he's an employee at this company and he's sort of trying to fight back against the treatment that he and others are enduring at the hands of this company. Very timely given the success and the the far-ranging tentacles of Amazon. Mm-hmm. So that was the fourth one. Then there's one called My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. This comes out also in January from Morrow. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And this is about a student-teacher relationship. I think it's about like a like a fifteen or sixteen-year-old girl and her relationship with a charismatic teacher. Apparently, like a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, that's a Me Too novel" because it touches on so many themes that came up, you know, two years ago when Me Too was really at the huge the forefront of 
sort of cultural conversation. But apparently the author has been writing this book since she was 16 years old. And so it was written, or at least started, long before Me Too. It just happens to have similar themes. The wake of accusations of impropriety with the sexual relationship, now she's kind of reevaluating later in her life. I guess that she had viewed this teacher as like the love of her life. And then later on, these accusations from uh, by other people come out against him. And she's forced to kind of reevaluate what that relationship really was. What did it mean to him? What role did it play in her life? It's a, a discussion of abuse, subtle, insidious, and manipulative. I don't know. I think that sounds pretty good. Three women, I think one of the narratives, and three women, of course, is nonfiction, but one of the narratives in that book is a young woman who sues her teacher. I think at first she's in a consensual relationship with him, but then she thinks about, she was 15 or 16 when she was with him, and she thinks about the relationship and in hindsight considers that it's damaging. And I think that's one of the women that she studies. Unfortunately, I mean, Me Too is a shorthand label. So to think that people are writing to this theme, I mean, I'm sure some people are writing because of the cultural moment that has happened, but these have always been women's stories. Me Too, I think, was Mm -hmm. about them being taken seriously and people stepping up to show the magnitude of these stories. Not that they don't happen, but the crushing, overwhelming magnitude of so many women who have the same story. But this is not, these stories are not new. And these stories have been written over the years. So for people to think, I mean, for that to be a conversation that it's a Me Too book and did you write it in the wake of Me Too seems a little, I don't know, when I hear stuff like that, it's like, that seems a little silly. It's like, this did not just start happening to women. And I think that there have been books about it. Looks like we'll be getting more which might be a result of that, that people, that there's an entry, interest and maybe a more built-in aud- audience, but interesting. Right. But you're right. These themes have been coming up forever. Somebody said that this book is like an answer to Disgrace by J.M. Coutier, uh-huh. a South African writer. And I mean, so like you said, like, I mean, that book has been out forever. So I think that's a good point that it's not like Me Too literature. It's just that... It's women's yeah, stories. It's women's stories, right. Okay, so there's two more books that they talked about. So these last two are probably the ones I'm the less less likely to read. Um, the first one is called How We Fight for Our Lives. It's a memoir by Saeed Jones, and it is from Simon & Schuster coming out in October. This one is, the author is a gay black man who has written vignettes across America that deal with race and sexual identity. It's a memoir that blends poetry and prose. I'm not a big poetry reader. I like tend to like my memoirs to be very detailed and prosaic. So this one just is probably the one out of the six that I would pick up the last. The author was, was signing books. I think it's an extremely personal book about just how he came to be comfortable with his skin and some of the prejudices and hardships that he encountered along the way. Yeah, I have that. Have on you heard my anything list. about this I've one? Heard that, I've heard about it. Well, I've read a description okay. and I, you know, it looks interesting. Yeah. I've read approximately three nonfiction books this year. So <laughs> maybe this will be your fourth. Then the final one is historical fiction. It is called The Secrets We Kept by Laura Prescott. 
it is from Knopf that comes out in September. So that's going to be the first one out of this group. And this is a book that takes place in Russia during the Cold War. And it has to do with the CIA, the CIA intentionally smuggling books that have been banned by the Russian government back into the country, and specifically books that are critical of the Cold War, critical of government. So specifically, this book is about Dr. Zhivago and that Dr. Zhivago had been written during that time. And the CIA wanted to get copies of Dr. Zhivago, which I guess had been banned, and then get them back into Russia. It's about these CIA documents and CIA operatives and has to do with one of the muses for Dr. Zhivago, who's in this prison. It's definitely going to be a thriller. It is apparently, this is how the, the editor described it. She described it as literary fiction at the highest order, but also a page turner masquerading as literature. The pages fly, it stops time, utterly immersive and transportive. She talks about the fierce, brilliant women who made Boris Pasternak's work possible and the power of books to change minds. So that all sounds great in theory. I just know me and it probably would not be the first one out of this list I would pick up. I was just looking at that cover the other day and I tagged it because it did have some things that interested me, but I'm not sure of all the books that are yeah are coming out in the fall. That one might get a little bit lost. I've heard of most of these. I had marked most of these to go back and take a look, give them some consideration for the upcoming season. So interesting. Right. So that's that. You know, it's interesting about that cover, The Secrets We Kept, is it's this woman with this long, shimmery green dress, and it looks just like Evelyn Hugo. This is probably, she's probably based a little bit of this on real life. Yeah, the historical detail. Because it reminds me of the book that I read, The Red Daughter by John Jonathan Burnham Schwartz. In that one, which is based on, loose, very, very loosely based on, Stalin's daughter, the reason that they they did not want to bring her here, but the reason that they finally did bring her here was because she was writing a book. She had written a book about her life. She had written her memoir and they wanted to publish it in the United States. And that was finally when they gave her permission to come over. So that kind of dovetails with people trying to get books to publish during the Cold War that were maybe anti-Soviet in some way. That's the buzz panel. And uh, we can get into more BEA trends slash book haul highlights uh, in later episodes. Shall we go over to the Goodreads list that we wanted to talk about? Sure. Goodreads published a list on their blog, and they are talking about the standout books of 2019. I was about to say 2016 again. I don't know what it is that makes me (laughs) want to say that this list pertains to 2016, but the 2019 books. And have you read a bunch of these? Let's let's take a look at what these are. I've read. I've read one, two, three. I've only read three out of 28. I've read three out of 28, and I would say there's another five that are on my tight TBR Mm -hmm. or maybe three on my TBR. I'll say, I'll just say the ones I've read. So I've read Daisy Jones, which is number three. And I read that. And I've read, and I've read 20, 99% mine by Sally Thorne. 
and I've read The Dreamers, as have you. That's it. The ones I want to read on here, Sally Rooney's Normal People. Which I read. Oh, you read it. Mm-hmm. Did we just, did we talk about that yet? I think so. I liked it. I think, yeah, maybe we did. Yeah. Okay. I think I want to read Anonymous Girl, and which you did read, I think. No, I didn't read that one. Oh, you haven't read it yet. And I want to read The Last Romantics, and I kind of want to read Queenie. Yeah, I want to read Queenie. And I I think that's it. I have that. It was one of I think it was one of my book of the month picks. Queenie was. Queenie was. And yeah. so was normal No, normal people was not. It was a book of the month pick, but it, I don't think I got it from book of the month. What what else have you read on here or do you want to read on here? Okay, so this book has this list has 28 books. So it looks like they took a look at all of their data, found the books that had the highest reader anticipation. And they no- they measure that mm-hmm. in the number of times that books have been added to want to read shelves, which is why people have such a big push for, add this to your Goodreads list. So then, they, then we factored in the number of reader reviews. So then they're looking at people who are actually, who've actually read it, as well as the average review for each book. Published through early June. So I guess they're looking at stars. So that's a little bit of their formula for coming up with this list of 28 books. So I've read the first three on the list, which is The Silent Patient, which I really loved, Normal People, and Daisy Jones and the Six. So the books that are on their list that are at the top are all books that I have read. And I can vouch for for the fact that they're highly rated. They're all really good books. The Wicked King looks like it's fantasy, which is why I won't read that. That's number mm-hmm. four. Number five is an anonymous girl. Yeah, I'm totally judging by covers here. Which was on one of our lists of books coming out because we read her. We read their previous book because this is the Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. And then Angie Thomas, did you read her? No, I haven't read either one. I I haven't read On the Come Up and I haven't read, the, what is that? The Hate You Give. The hate yeah. You Give, yeah. And that you give. My daughter was going to read it. And I remember we got it out of the library and then I ended up having to return it. And it was, I couldn't renew it because it was so was high demand. Yeah. No, I would actually like to read both of those. So I'm going to actually add on the come up to ones I want to read. On the come up is about a young woman who wants to be a rapper. And it's about all the trials and tribu- tribulations of that or of her life and how she goes about accomplishing that. I wasn't sure if I wanted to read it because of what it was about, but I've been looking at reviews and it seems like that's incidental to the story. That's what she wants to be, but that the story is much richer and worthwhile reading. So I'll probably read that. And King of Scars. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I like Lee. It does not look like something I would want. Right. I've read other Lee Bardugo books, though. I think she's really good. She has one coming out in the fall that I think I actually want to read. I think it's her first foray into adult fiction, if I'm not mistaken. Kate Quinn, The Huntress, in spite of that cover, I've been swaying around with wanting to read that. That's number eight. Did you read The Alice Network? No. Did you? No, but I've heard good things about both of these books. But they're they're both, I think, both World War II espionage-ish type books, which just are never high on my list. That cover looks like it is one of those World War II books or something with the women on the cover. I'm just, I'm always skeptical about mm-hmm. reviews on this one and the slight twist. Like we like those World War II stories that are particularly detailed or seem like they're going to be about a particular aspect. And I think that that has some elements to it, which is why it's in in the back of my head. No Exit, we've talked yeah. about a lot. And so, and Black Leopard, 
Wolf, you were thinking about whether you would be able to handle No Exit, but it sounds like you don't want to read that anymore. I don't think so. <laughs> That's the one that you, is that the one that you told us about the diner? That's, where they're trapped? Or is it, right, am I getting that yeah, wrong? Yeah, there's like some kind of snowstorm. She discovers that a child is locked in a van or something, something right. to that nature. Wait, so like you, did, to, you did read it or we just talked about we it? We talked about remember. it. We okay. talked about it and we wondered whether we would have the, whether we could stand a book like <laughs> the constitution that. constitution for it. Right. Yeah. I think that might be too suspenseful for me. Like once you have a child yeah. involved and, and it's locked. A child in the back of a car. You know, she has to figure out who might have done it and they're stranded at this diner in the snowstorm and it's like, how is she going to escape yeah. in this situation? Lots of people have read it and really like it as evidenced by this well, list. Number 10. Is there anything else? I have on here A Curse So Dark and Lonely by Bridget Kemmer just because I really like retellings and it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Mm. It's YA. What's J- this Jane Harper, The Lost Man? I read her book, The Dry. I think that this is a standalone. She writes these mysteries. The first two she wrote were about this detective and I believe his name is, I want to say his name is Aaron Falk. I read the first one. So I read The Dry, which was good. And there is a sequel that I didn't read. But The Lost Man is her standalone. From what I have read, they seem to be very different from the mystery series that she's working on. So some people like the series better than than they like The Lost Man. But I still have to read the second one to The Dry. And I can't think of the name of that. But I like her writing. You know, very good. It's like small town Australia and more it is a mystery and he is a detective trying to solve a mystery and of course he has his own baggage that he's dealing with but a lot of it too is just about the relationships between people in a small town and i like mysteries that have that kind of that kind of element going on where it's more about that other thing so this is a really good list i kind of want to read the bride test i kind of do too my lovely wife i'm on the fence about Like I'm getting so picky about my thrillers. I really want to know that it's going to be different and worthwhile and not. I want it to be a really good book with thriller aspects that are compelling. Like I don't, I don't want to read a book that's just super thrillery that I'm racing through. That doesn't make sense. Like I really want something that's going to make sense, but I don't know. People have been saying they like my lovely wife. So we'll see. It's not high on my list, but. But I definitely do want to read Queenie sooner rather than later. Yeah, I do too. Is there anything we want to conclude about this? There's a lot of thrillery type books on here, lots of historical fiction. As far as literary fiction, you've got Not Black Leopard, yeah, The Dreamers, um, Normal People. That's kind of it. Maybe, probably Queenie. Yeah, yeah, Queenie. Yeah, it's a lot of fantasy, um, a lot of thrillers. Mm-hmm. I guess The Last Romantics, that's uh, literary fiction. This is a good list for the summer. So if you're looking for something to read and like Broad likes a lot of these different categories, recommend taking a look. We'll link to this in the show notes so you can find it quickly. What should we do next? We can get to our backlist books. Okay. So we're going to each talk about a backlist book. So mine goes way, 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 way back. Oh, boy. Yeah. To 2000 and... Eight, I think it's 2008. I'm trying to find the um, the post that I had pulled up about it. Okay, the book is called Tomato Girl by Jane Pupek. And I reviewed this in 2008. 
So I'm not even sure it could have come out earlier than that even. It's funny. She, I think it was a debut novel and I don't think she's written anything since because I went to look her up today and that's the only book that comes up if you search for her on Amazon. Mm-hmm. This is an incredibly sad book. So if you don't like sad books, just skip ahead because you will not want to read this book. But it is a book about this 11-year-old girl who's living in the 60s with her mentally ill mother and her dad and a whole bunch of other people who just continually let her down. So her mom is mentally ill. She falls down the stairs to the basement, I think, and gets sent away to the hospital and she's hit her head and she's like basically completely out of the picture. And in the meantime, her dad grows infatuated with this girl who sells tomatoes at this market. That's why it's called tomato girl. She's basically a teenager, but he falls in love with this girl and moves her into the house. And gradually this girl starts kind of taking over the role of that her mom played in the house. And This little girl, Ellie, the 11 year old is just like her life just starts to unravel and people around her are just betraying her right and left. And it's just the saddest book, but it's like, you can't put it down. And I remember like, I just felt like I I was like, I couldn't put it down. I was sad when it ended. Um, even though it just was just so moving and sad at the same time. That's so interesting that you couldn't put it down and you were sad when it ended, even though it was horrible. And even though it was so sad, and that's what I wrote in my review. I was like, this story is told simply and quietly, but it's unbelievably powerful. I couldn't put it down. I'm sad it's over. Highly recommended if you can tolerate sadness and grave injustice. And it just... Oh, it just was a really sad but well-written book. And I'm kind of just curious to know what happened to this author. Because I don't think she was like a young author when she wrote it. Mm-hmm. But that was already 12 years ago, almost 11 years ago. So She's a poet, anyway. they say. Mm, so maybe she's concentrate. Sense. Maybe that was just the one novel that was in her. Oh, you know what? She died. <gasps> That's why she haven't heard anything from her. Oh, yeah, in 2010. She died in 2010. Oh, my God, how sad. Okay, well, that would explain why she didn't write any other novels after this one. Well, when you said um, she was older, that kind of popped into my head, like, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, books. So I'm looking at her books. Tomato Girl was published by Algonquin. I think that was the only novel. She's got two other books that are anthologies of her poems. Oh, that makes me even sadder. Okay, well, now I definitely want people to read this book. <laughs> I want her to live on. <laughs> I want her to live on. And it just, it was really, it was just a really moving book. So, I mean, major She wasn't that old. Um, you said she was older. She was 48 yeah, when she died. Right. 48. Right. Well, wow, she's Gail. not old at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it was, I looked at a picture of her that had come up on Amazon and she just looked older. I guess you never no. really can tell. No. Okay. I wonder well, if it was autobi- autobiographical at all. I sure hope not. Because hmm. man, that would be a sad life. Um, All right. So Gail wants you to read Tomato Girl. Yes. And I did a a story. I didn't go that far back. It came out in 2015. It's called The Cake House by Latifah Salome. And it is the retelling. It's a coming of age tale that's a retelling of Hamlet. In the beginning of the novel, we see a death that occurs. And this young girl, well, she's a teenager. She's a teenager. She has to go and live with her mother and her mother's boyfriend. 
and his ghost comes to live with them or whatever. She sees this ghost in the house that she is in with her mother and her stepmother. And she's also with her, wait, her mother, her stepfather, my gosh. So her mother and her stepfather and the stepfather has a son who she is involved in a very strange relationship with. So it's this coming of age story. It's how she comes to terms with or tries to figure out what really happened with her father. It's about her troubled relationship with her mother and just how she navigates that situation. I really like that. I mean, there's a ghost involved. It's not like there's a super strong element of the supernatural, but her ghost, her dad's ghost is a presence there. And she has to figure out what's going on with that. Is it real? Is he trying to tell her something? Is he upset with her because she is living with, with, with people who may have been responsible for his death. Like everyone thinks that her father has killed himself, but I think she suspects otherwise. And it was yeah. a really good, it was an interesting, it was an interesting, like more modern retelling of Hamlet. I think it's set in California. Mm-hmm. He is quickly jerked from her old life and put into this, into this new life. She has to switch schools and, and there's quite a bit of acting out because of the way her life has changed. So I really liked it. I'm looking through these Amazon reviews and nobody picked up on the Hamlet really? reference. Yeah. It's Shakespeare. So he pre- predates a lot of things. But when you, when you think about parents who quickly remarry and if there's a suspicious death with one of the parents, I always get those like Hamlet. Mm, Hamlet vibes. Hamlet vibes. Goodreads mentions it though in their description. Okay. See, that's the difference between Amazon and Goodreads right there. I don't know. I'm surprised that Amazon, wouldn't it be the same description? Oh, you mean maybe in the description. Yeah, Yeah. probably they do share a description. But when you, I just think Goodreads reviews are more interesting, more better and deeper. Yes. Higher quality than uh, Amazon reviews, which is obviously bizarre. Actually, the description of it does not. Oh, it doesn't mention it. Does not mention it. Like it's a little one-off sentence. That's just your brilliance. Yeah. So through. That's what we have this week. When is our next book club? Well, that's June 27th. And what is the book? The farm. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. The farm. Lots of, lots of book happenings. And so in the meantime, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonilla.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.